It's a new day, but Jesus is still above all. We are going to look at the book of Colossians. This is an epistle from an apostle. If you say that really fast, it gets fun. It's an epistle from the apostle Paul, and we are going to examine the things he says. Four chapters, not very long. It has a uniqueness in that he didn't know these people. This is a letter to people he did not know. He does not know you. So, cool. Here's a letter. And it is a uh, special communication to a group, group of people who have become believers in Jesus, who have broken away from the gods that they've known, the ways that they've lived, their... Uh, priorities, their morality, the things that were right and wrong in their, in their thinking and their culture, they are being introduced because of Jesus to a whole new way of thinking. Up till now, they, they're from a Greek culture, so Zeus is going to play a huge role. Zeus is the uh, king of the gods. He, he is above all, in their system. So now we're introducing someone else who's come in and is going to be greater, the true Most High. And this is going to change the way they think, the way they deal with things. And uh, typically, with, with reading the Scripture in our day, we will read that thing these books, with no idea what was going on in the lives of the people who wrote it or received it. We read it because we're looking at it from, here's what's going on in my day, here's how I feel, so these words say this to me. And people pull out all kinds of things out of Scripture, all kinds of statements. They make uh, t-shirts out of them, posters, they put them up all over the place, and totally out of context, but... It just meant so much to me. Wouldn't it be great to find out what God had in mind? He's communicating to people. He really wants people to know who he is, what he has to say, where he wants people to go, what the future is, and to do it with some confidence that we're doing it his way. And we're getting on track with where he is going Ultimately, everybody's going to face him, so it would be really wise to get on board early instead of waiting and then finding out, oh, I was like 180 off this whole time. And this is one of those books that just puts things right. It is written in such a way that it puts things right. It will, it will rock everything that we do, the way we approach things the way we approach Jesus, the way we approach uh, God's majesty, which is typically just treated as ho-hum. And we'll give it a little bit of a nod here and there, but really ho-hum. we got other things. we got phones. we got entertaining things we can do. This really doesn't, uh, you know, so we push it aside. And yet here's God Almighty communicating truth through Paul the writer, to a crowd that had previously no idea about the greatness 
of the Messiah who was to come. And they receive this letter. And they find out that Jesus is above all. Now they've already grasped that. And he is encouraging them. He's going to be thankful for them. He's going to speak to them about what that means. He's going to be excited for them. And he's also going to give them some clarity on what's important. And how you can know those things. What to do about it. So that's where we are in Jesus above all. And we're just looking at the first 14 verses of the first chapter. That's really a big chunk, but I, I think we want to do this in, in terms of grouping some thoughts together and not drill down too much in some details. So that's why we're going to do uh, the 14 verses and uh, see, see what God reveals, what he opens up here for everyone. So this is from the Apostle, verse 1. This letter is from Paul chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. And from our brother Timothy. He has a team. Timothy's often there. Luke's there. He'll, he'll mention different ones who are with him, but in this particular letter, this is he's starting with, with Timothy being close by. He's, he's putting this thing into writing to clarify some things for these folks in, in receiving this letter. And he is letting them know that he is given this assignment as an apostle. And apostle, that idea, the word may just bounce around in your head and mean nothing. Or it may mean, you know, some of those religious figures. It can have all kinds of different meanings for people. The idea is that this is a person appointed by a superior for a mission, for a purpose. They're supposed to carry out, carry a message or do a particular thing. It, whatever it is that, that this assignment is, that, that higher authority has chosen them to do this, like an ambassador, uh, someone representing that higher authority. Chosen by the will of God. That kind of gives us an idea of the authority. God has chosen him. He's going to be an apostle of Christ. That's the Greek word for Messiah. So we're tying in some Old Testament truth. Know how powerful this is. Messiah. The will of God. Isn't because he's an influencer on Facebook or Instagram. He is chosen by the will of God. He's communicating to them because he's out there. Getting words from this. Of all things. It's not everybody in Colossae because they're, they're not all believers, but there's a group. Who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. 
He's, he is talking about the people that God has set aside, God's holy people. If you're reading some... So that is a theological term uh, picked up from the Latin and plugged in here. unfolding because if you think of saints and you think well statues it's talking about something something different the holy people these are unique people different from the rest of the world because they are in connection with uh, the living God or they have a relationship with him in the old Testament, when you have the, the terms are used, there's going to be holy beings, there are going to be uh, declarations to those who are these particular beings in relationship to the Most High God, and they will be angelic, heavenly, divine beings. And then you get to the New Testament, and here this relationship occurs, and God is saying, now you are holy ones. You are now holy people. You have just been elevated. Because God has a heavenly family and an earthly family. He wants all of us to be in this thing together. That language is there. When you read saint, you don't think, oh, that's the Old Testament heavenly beings being referred to. You start thinking about statues and people being voted on and so whenever you see that word, if it's in your translation, just insert holy ones. Just stick that in there. And, or do it in your head. And let that be a new way of looking at it. So when you see that God is calling his people, these people have a unique relationship with him. He is calling them as if they are part of the angel band, the family of God in heaven. Now on earth, because we're people, and we will all be joined together in a family, and remember, people do not become angels. You don't do good things and get your wings and little bell rings. None of that stuff's going on. Separate creations, separate purposes, one family. And he's bringing all that together. So he's writing to God's holy people, the holy ones in the city of Colossae, who are faithful. Yeah, well, that's, you know, what's the big deal? That means they're following through, that they're doing the things, that they are motivated on their own to follow God, to keep him elevated, to choose him above all, to choose him first, to continue when no one's looking to do the right thing, to treat others the way they ought to be treated according to God's plan, not theirs, his way, his will, his ways above all. Those are the people. They're faithful. They keep doing it. They have that believing aspect to them that is loyal. They don't turn back to the other gods. They don't turn to the ways of the world. They don't just incorporate the customs and culture around them. They keep their eyes on him. And it makes a difference. And we see that. 
And he says, to them, to this group of people, these holy ones in Colossae, may God our Father give you grace and peace. Which is really, really cool. It's blending the, the way of greeting between the Hebrews and the Greeks. Grace and peace, two different cultures, two different ways, but he's adding them together, and it's kind of a neat, neat way to do that. So, saying, God can give you this, which is great. They don't know this yet, but the city of Colossae, you can't go visit it. You can go to Ephesus, you can go to Smyrna, you can go to Jerusalem, you can go to a lot of places mentioned in the Bible. Colossae got hit with an earthquake. It's not very far from the one that got hit recently. And the city came down not long after this. So, you know, you go through stuff like that. Grace and peace is helpful. We don't know what happened to the people because we don't have any follow-up history on this. But you, you don't go visit the ruins at this city because it got smashed way back. But here's the, here are these people, God's people in this city. Connection and communication, verse 3. We always pray for you. He doesn't know them, but he's praying for them. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a, there's a positive uh, connection with them, and he wants them to know that they are talking to God about them and for them. Even though they're not met, he's still, still praying, and it's very positive. There's there's a gratitude about their faithfulness, their connection, their being part of God's family. So there's all of that is unfolding. And just in, this is just the opening lines of this. And he's given thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you're going to watch this go back and forth. God the Father will be addressed. Jesus the Son will be addressed. It will go back and forth as different aspects. There's one God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and they all are part of this. They, they are part of the family. They are part of what is unfolding. Jesus is the head of the church. There's God the Father. He's on the throne. Jesus is on the throne by him. I mean, there's all these different aspects to this thing, and it just goes back and forth. And Paul is just writing this like, oh, y'all, y'all understand. And they're going, no, we came from a Greek pantheon. You know, we're thinking Zeus, Apollos, you know, we, okay. Here's a whole new thing, and he's introducing them to all of that just in the beginning of this. The impact of the good news, we have faith and love here in verse 4. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people. They've heard about it because, again, he hasn't met them. But he's heard about their faith in Christ. They have trusted him. They see something in Christ that's worth turning their back on all of their history and all of their culture and the way they've always done it and the way Grandma did it and the way everybody in their community does it. They're going to trust him. That's huge. That's huge. People usually don't break with the customs of their culture the way they've always thought. This is like... Changing everything. But here's what's happened. And, and the little illustration there in the middle, give you an idea. On one side, there is in this, of this chasm, bottomless chasm that cannot be crossed, is a 
the man on or the human being on one side wages you know the scripture from Romans 6:23 for the wages of sin is death so we've got on the one side human beings earning this rebelling against God turning to other gods living their own way not going with God in the way he does things not connecting with him as the most high not trusting him as the creator they they just turn their back they've earned that's sin so now they've earned death which is separation from God separation from life separation from love separation from good death the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord on the other side there's God waiting waiting and and inviting and asking people come on come over here the gift of God eternal life you get there by believing and it's through Christ Jesus the one that's the cross that's the bridge the way to get from one side to the other so he's making that possible and so when we read Colossians we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus what does that mean they have crossed over from one side with death to the other side with life because they've believed in Christ, because of what Christ has done, who he is. Out of that, I love that he includes and, and your love for all of God's people. It's just there. It's built in. There's care, there's concern, there's like, wow, we're part of a family, and we care about them. We care enough, we want to uh, love on them, and, and share things with them, and and connect and communicate and you know just like you guys do every week and you just checking on each other and loving on each other and making sure nobody's hurting and now we do some of that right and then we don't do some of that why might need a little bit of a boost so that we love deeply because Christ Jesus has made such a difference in our lives that we cannot stay centered on ourselves any longer, which is what's happening with them. So he's writing to these people, we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people. He goes on in verse 5, hope, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of good news. The good news of Christ who's come. He's changed everything. He's opened the door to new life, to new ways, new, new ways of living and understanding life and, and the flow of history, uh, the workings of philosophy, how we do finances, how we relate to people in our home, connect with people around us and, and other who don't know God, all of those things. This has changed the way they think about things because God has this place for them reserved in heaven. There's a future, a secure future made possible by him. You go, okay, that's the Greek thinking on death, and it varied depending on where people were, just like, our, our people do. But they, they thought, well, maybe there's something out there. you got this little 
Legion Fields thing, and, and maybe we go out there. But they also had this idea that you're reincarnated, and you can come back. And what you keep, it, your soul goes to this place out there. It gets cleansed, and then all of your memories, personality, gone. And then you, whatever that little life force is, is reinserted to someone else. And then we just keep it going. And you go, wow, that's, that's exciting. They've just heard a new story from the one who's been there. The one who died was in the grave. He knows what's there and rose again. Besides, he was there when it was all done in creation. So he's telling them, and now they know, and they believe, there is something reserved in heaven for me. I don't have to live the same way. I don't have to be a jerk. I don't have to be just consumed with whatever I can consume because that was a Greek thing as well. No. I can live in such a way that I can love people. I can pour out my life to touch the lives of other people and appoint them to this God who is so magnificent, he's offering me a place in heaven. And I believe him. What I've earned is death. What he's given me is life through Christ. It's a new thing. And it's changing their world. And they have hope. And he's recognizing that. There's God's grace. Verse 6. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. Good news. Jesus came. He's altered everything. He's proven that all that was written before about the Most High God is absolutely true. He's proven that. He was going to come, he's going to die, he's going to be raised from the dead. And he says, yep, that happened. And here are the scriptures. And I say, this is it. These are true. This is what we've been doing. This is what we've been communicating for a long time. Now you have something to run with. God's grace, here's good news. Now you can know what God intended, that he's the creator, he's the one behind it, not other gods. There aren't other ones making all these good things happen. There are other ones creating havoc and chaos. And the scriptures covers that too. It's all in there. But he's saying, here's the way to overcome. This is the way you can deal with all of that. It's good news. And it comes from Jesus. And this word is going out all over the world. Why in the world would it do? It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the first day you heard and understood. You go, wow, that's exactly like us. We heard this, and we cannot stop talking about it. Last night, we go to a concert, and it's Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. I know you guys have all heard about that. And so it's it's a swing band. They are amazing and fun so we we go to this thing as we're walking in the door the uh i don't know why this lady chose david and charlene to talk to so we wander off and we miss this whole intro so i don't i'm not sure how this happened but they get they get uh 
invited to be part of a swing dance club. And there's a lady and a few of her buddies standing there by the door. They are so excited about their hobby. They get together to dance to swing weekly. She is so enthusiastic about swing. She can't stop talking about it. She can't stop herself from smiling. It was beaming out of this woman. Even when she was on the dance floor, we took pictures of her. And her team, the club, is down there. They are going nuts. They are loving this. How does that work for Christians? That enthusiasm. That beaming, I cannot wait. Another week, we get to do this. We get to talk about Jesus. We get to get close to Him. We are so fortunate. We want you to become part of what we do. Like come swing dance. You know, it's on a par, don't you think? Enthusiasm over something that happened. The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. By whom? You know, they didn't have Facebook. No TV. Enthusiastic people standing by the door. It's bearing fruit. How does that happen? Everywhere. It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. Really, because I am just as grumpy, just as difficult to get along with after knowing Jesus for 27 years as I was before. You go, huh, how in the world did they get this so quickly? Church hasn't been on the ground very long by the time this letter is written. We are centuries, millennia into this now. You feeling the pressure of this yet? (laughs) Yeah, just a little. It is amazing what's going on. These guys are new to this. And Paul is thrilled for them. And it's going out all over. And they are willing to take on the culture that is 100% opposed. They are willing to stand up for the God of heaven against all the gods that have been represented in that place over and over and over again and they're going to be beat down by the people by their neighbors by the people at work by the people in the marketplace by the soldiers of Rome because they don't like this and these people are so excited this is going out to people around the world and it's changing lives not just information it is changing lives And it did for them from the first day because of God's wonderful grace. Because of God's wonderful grace. His allowing us, who don't deserve it, to come into this new life that he's made possible out of his own kindness to let us in, to be part of a family that is so amazing but so different from anything else that's out there. Nothing compares, not even swing dance, nothing. Verse 7, Epaphras, you learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. So Epaphras has come, 
He was excited about what Jesus had done. And he tells his buddies in Colossae, they've come to know Christ. Their lives are changed. And they agree. And this guy is is a faithful servant. He's doing what God has called him to do, to be part of this. And he's gone back to see Paul, and he's lending a hand to some things. There's other historical things that connect him. You see it in other letters. We just won't go into that. But he's helping on your behalf. So he's come back. He's helping Paul. You know, he's carrying stuff. He's uh, buckets of water, whatever they need. He's, he's just helping out. But he learned. He gets the gospel. He, he's transformed. He is uh, no longer just looking out for himself, which is part of what was happening in his life. And he goes, no, you know, it's not all about me. There is this God in heaven who loves us and has more for us as human beings. <sighs> I'm going to be, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to go with him. He's transformed. Then he's helping. He goes and tells these guys. He helps them. Now there's a whole group of them there in, in Colossae. In verse 8, he talks about the source of love. And he says the... Uh, that these well, he has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. Remember, we've got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So now God the Holy Spirit is involved in providing as a source love. He works within us to bring love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. He's bringing these different aspects into our lives because that's the fruit of the Spirit, that he, he's going to do that work. You learned from Epaphras. Now you're transformed, just like him. He told us about the love for others. And that love is not the love that... So if you've heard sermons on this or read books, the, the approach to love for most Christians is you just need to do it. You just got to gotta grunt through it. You gotta, it's you and your strength and... And, and that's why you hear the word, well, I'm going to try. The source is the Holy Spirit, eternally available, unlimited in his ability to love. And the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit when we come to know him. There ain't no trying. It just do it. It just do it. So if we don't do it, it's not the fault of the Holy Spirit. It's not a lack on God's part. Somebody says no. Somebody says, turn off the spigot. Somebody says, I don't want to love. You have to stop it. You don't have to try to love. You just have to love. Just love. If you're struggling with it, it's not someone else. It's not your past. It's not the horrible things that have happened in your life. There's a God in heaven who has all the ability, understands everything about you and everybody else on this planet and everybody's ever been and everybody's going to come. And he is not shackled in his ability to provide love as a source in and through us. He does it. 
that source is available, we turn it off. We say no. We say that person or that person. I'll love that one a little bit. I'm going to love me a lot. How different is that than the culture around us? Any culture. Any group of people that have ever lived. That's why this is so remarkable. The grace of God has come. And he's providing love. And he's saying, here's a group of people who get it. They have received the love of God. And he has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So now they have the love. The Holy Spirit is in them. They're loving other people. He's already said, you guys are doing great. You are loving people. You love God. You love people. That's, that's pretty much the big ones. Another level in verse 9. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. We've not stopped praying. He doesn't know these people, but he's concerned for them. He wants to see them develop, mature, experience more of what God wants for them. He's praying for them. And we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will. That's a prayer from the Apostle Paul, who's chosen by the will of God, who is going to be listened to by God because he's on assignment. And that's what he's asking, that these people would have a knowledge of God's will, know what to do and What's next and where to go? And have you ever thought, you know, how does that even work? Because really, I just want to make a decision about my education, my car, my house, who I'm going to marry, where my career will lead, where the next thing's coming from. What do you mean, God's will? I control my money, I deserve my vacations. What do you mean, God's will? I control my mouth and the words I say and the attitudes I have. And what do you mean, God's will? To have a full knowledge of God's will. Have not stopped praying for you to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Spiritual, not practical. I mean, it doesn't mean it's not practical. It just... It means that there's something loftier than the day-to-day. Do you know what, po- what is popular for spreading around for prayer requests? My knee hurts. I need more money. Looks like something awful is going to happen to our house. How many practical things can you think of that you hear about in prayer requests? And I want you to look back at this. From the apostle, chosen by the will of God, who prays for these people, who loves them deeply, he doesn't even know them. What does he pray for them? The will of God. What kind of thing? Spiritual, wisdom, knowledge. What about all those other things? Doesn't he know the earthquake's coming? Why this? Why spiritual? Why pray for people to know spiritual things and actually 
practice them. Because when we come back to it, most people are going, ah, you know, practical. You know, I can get church. Church is the building because I can wrap my head around it. I can understand fixing it, roofing it, painting it. Now we're talking about spiritual. I have no clue where to go with that. I have no idea how you build spiritually. And yet we're told in Ephesians to build on Christ. Jesus gave the example of you. You can build on the sand. Floods come. It falls apart. Or you can build on the rock. It's his teaching. It's spiritual. He's not actually telling you to go build a house. You get that, right? Building on the rock is taking the truth and actually living it. Not knowing about it. Not, oh, that's a cute, cute illustration. I think we'll make a... a coloring page and and have all the kids color it and nobody will ever practice it this is about praying the will of god for people to spiritually have knowledge and wisdom to be different to be changed that's what he's doing this is a different thing this isn't your normal stuff this isn't the thing that happens in typical churches or religious organizations, this is life-altering. Because if this happens, the practical things follow. It's always that way. Always that way. Matthew 6, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, in 5, 6, 7. 6, he's talking, and he says, you know what, you guys are really worried about all these practical things. Like what are you going to wear? Yeah, you know where I'm going with this. You know what? My father takes care of all that for the flowers. He just makes them really beautiful. Solomon was never dressed like that. But you're all uptight. Worried about that. How are you going to fit in the culture? Big prom's coming up. Where are you going to get the dress? Oh my gosh. Pressure is on. What about what you're going to eat? Oh yeah. You know, get that paycheck. That is the main thing. 401k i got to, you know, come on, God knows. Yeah, God knows, which is what Jesus says. He says, don't worry. You're worried about the wrong things. Those are practical things, aren't they? You're worried about all of that. He says, do this. Seek first. Do you know the verse? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. God's kingdom. God's righteousness. Not your kingdom, not your stuff. God's kingdom, his righteousness, and God will supply all your needs. What? Well, that's bull. I'm practical. Come on. I need the paycheck. I'm not doing it. Now, I know in church everybody says, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. But then you go out and you do the opposite, don't you? Trust him. Does that mean don't go to work? I didn't say that. He's very clear about you better show up for work on time and work hard. That's not it. But spiritual precedes practical. Jesus above all. Above everything. That's what he's saying. And when they do, their lives are altered. You sort of pick that up. From the first time they heard the good news, their lives are altered. 
How long does it take to hear the good news over and over and over again until this starts to kind of get into 21st century people? How long? Because he's saying this happened now with them. Amazing. Because there's nothing better. There is nothing better. He is praying for them to have the right stuff, spiritual wisdom and understanding. Growing in productive lives, verse 10. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Then you will live to honor and please the Lord. Because you do this. And because the will of God is there and you're pursuing spiritual wisdom and understanding. You, you know how to love because the love's broken loose in you and you're using that source from the Holy Spirit to love others. And then this starts to happen. Please the Lord, and then your lives produce every kind of good fruit. What would that even look like? I don't know. Straightening people out, condemning them, judging them's good. That's a favorite Christian thing to do. Find ways to uh, look at the culture, yell at the TV or internet if you know the news isn't what we like. We find all kinds of things to get all stirred up about. But he's saying this will produce good fruit in your life. I don't know if you've tasted good fruit and bad fruit so you know the difference, but one's better than the other. And he's saying this will do good. And you can have it. You can have it. Just as they did. All the while, you will grow. And this is how the growing thing happens. As you learn to know God better and better. The word know is different in Greek and Hebrew. The concept of know. Because it includes experience. That it's real. There's something that became separated over the centuries, and no, for most in Western, the Western world, us included, is to say, I know about. I know something about a subject. I, I'm not intimately acquainted. I'm not intimately related. I'm not intimately experienced in this particular thing. I just know about a topic. And we know about Jesus. We know about Christmas trees. And we know about a Bible. And we know about... And he's saying, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not even the word here. He's talking about deep, intentional, relational connection that is experienced. That's why they have the love that comes out of them. That's why they are so enthusiastic about this new thing that has come along. The good news. Jesus Christ. The hope of life. We have a home in heaven. We're secure. It's changing us. And we grow as we learn about God. We learn to connect with Him better and better. You learn to know God better and better. Then you grow. Well, I think growing is just uh, you know, keeping up. I read a couple of the good commentaries, or I, I read Christian fiction, and I'm, I'm pretty, I think, well, no, I haven't read one in the last five years, but I read one, 
And so I think I'm on, I'm on the road to growing. And you know from my description that that is not true. This happens as we learn to know God experientially, in reality, connected with Him, then we grow. Then we grow. And we produce more fruit, good fruit, in our lives because of it. That's what He's telling us to do. But it takes effort, it takes intentionality. It says, I'm, you know, I'm going to put some stuff aside and I'm going to focus on knowing Him and make that a priority. I mean, really knowing him, not knowing about him. I'm going to enter into this relationship with him and see where God takes me because it is unbelievable. Enabled by God, verses 11 and 12, we also pray, so he's not even done with this, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. Those people who live in the light, coming out of darkness, living in the light, only thing strengthened with all his glorious power, which for some reason, even for Christians, is very limited. It's just, you know, just a little power pill. And you take it, and you kind of get by, and it's, yeah, it's kind of weak, but, you know, it's okay. Because the real stuff is somewhere else. Whatever it is for, for, for you, if you're not leaning on him, you go to that. It, it can be connections, it can be climbing the ladder, it can be your bank account, it can be your position in the world. It can be drugs and alcohol and sex and a million other things that you choose. And go, I'm gonna, that's where the power is. I know. It's to be strengthened with all. See that? Circle that word. All his glorious power. From heaven. The God of heaven who is not limited in his ability or in his power, the things he wants to bring into our lives. He wants to touch us with that. He wants to turn that loose in us. The reason it gets limited is because we say, no, it doesn't fit in my box. I have a certain way I see God. I want him to fit in the box. I'm comfortable with him fitting in the box. If he gets out of that box, it's scary. So I'm just going to keep him there where I can control it and I can close the lid. That way he stays where he belongs. I don't want him up out of there on Monday because life's different then. I just keep him in my box. And he's son just, nope. I'm going to pray that you'll be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. Anybody need that? Just to keep going, to get up the next day, to keep dealing with, think of their culture, 100% against them. In the marketplace when they go to Walmart and they're dealing with the military, the police, everybody's opposed to them. All the other gods are being worshipped and that's acceptable. All the evil that's done is acceptable. Not Christian living and living properly. Not okay. So do they need endurance? Yeah. Do they need patience? Well, I don't know. You know, it's great being around Christians who are just so hot-tempered. Just on a dime, they can just blow up. Isn't that great? You enjoy that? God doesn't appreciate it, by the way. So if you happen to be one of those, stop it. Ask God to give you this. 
His glorious power overcome those things. Endurance and patience. May you be filled with joy, which is way different than happiness, which is short-term. Joy is that long-term thing that only comes from the Lord. Always thanking the Father. So out of that joy going, wow, my life is so different. I've been brought from death to life, from darkness to light. This is amazing. Giving thanks to the Father. It, it's just, tran- this transfer is amazing. And he says, now you get to be part of this people, this holy people who live in the light, who don't pretend to live in the light or talk about the light, but who live in the light. Truly, experientially. Verses 13 and 14, kingdom of Jesus. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. He's moving us from one to the other. There is a kingdom of darkness. There are gods and demons and real powers on that side. They are influencing the world. They are influencing the nations. They have gained that right because people rejected God way back, and so here we are. On the other side is God intervening and offering a way to life through light. And he says, my my son's kingdom is that way. Come here. I'm going to transfer you here. There we have freedom. In the darkness we're bondage. Come to Christ, freedom. Most people flip that around. That's our culture. If you're in Jesus, you're in bondage. You can't do all of this stuff. You're not nice to other people. You've heard it. It's on TV. It's in articles everywhere. It just flipped on its head. No, the reality is freedom is in Christ. And he comes for us, dies on the cross, sets us free from the sin, forgave our sins. We have a whole new life to live because we've been transferred into the kingdom of Jesus. That is remarkable. All right, growing. Growing. There is a realm of darkness and a kingdom of Christ. It's out there. It's influencing people. The brokenness is happening. One country invades another country. Uh, Father abuses his daughter. I mean, you just start going through the list of things and, and people killing one another for no reason or just abusing each other in families with attitudes and, and words and behaviors. And you're going, where does all this stuff come from? There's a realm of darkness. And for some reason, people listen to that and enjoy it and are drawn to it more than they are to the light. And he's saying, I'm going to give you this. The grace of God is going to provide for us a way. He's going to transfer us into the kingdom of Jesus. It changes everything. We don't have to live like that. We don't have to think like that. We don't have to live in the darkness. We can live in the light. So there's a realm. It exists. Those in Christ have a future in this life and in heaven. So this life and the next, it's secure. It's in Christ. We follow him. We trust him. We hold on to him. We go his way. And, he, and he's got that nailed. And that's what these Colossians understood from day one. And they have hope because of it. The source of power for living the new life is God. The source of power for living the new life is God. We can't do it. 
we don't see good from his perspective. We see good as humans from our own experience and the knowledge base that we have, the families we're raised in, the culture and the times in which we live. We put all that together and we go, see, I know all things. Not hardly. There's a new life. It comes from God. The source for that is him, not us. Our, whatever we do on our best day is still limited. Even if there's a group of us, still limited. whole nation of us, still limited. But his is unlimited. Unlimited power to live this life. It's available for us. It's a new life available from him for us. The Holy Spirit empowers love in God's people. We need it. We can exercise it. The only way to stop that is say, I don't want the Holy Spirit to do that in me. I do not want to love. You don't have to try to love. It's already there. It comes from the Holy Spirit. Everything else is just, I don't want to. But if you want to, he's available. If you want to, he will come through your life. He will provide what you need to be able to do that and love people. And he wants us to love God's people, others who are in the family of faith. He wants us to extend that love out around the world. And then other people who are outside of all of that, they don't know God, can see that and go, wow, you know that swing dance thing looks like fun. They're enthusiastic and positive. Maybe I want to try that. That's swing dance. What if the family of God lived like the family of God? What might happen? That love flowing through. And people see that and say, man, I want to join that club. That's looking good. There is knowledge, wisdom, power, and love that is not from limited humans, but only from God. All of those things available from God. And it is absolutely mind-blowing. Those grow who learn to know God better. But that takes intentionality, effort, priority. You just, you don't get there by uh, assuming it'll just happen. I don't know, you ever have like a Betty Crocker cake mix in the pantry? Even even a can of icing, because they sell, you know, all of it now. You can just... What what if you said you know I just want I just I just want some of that for dessert, but you don't get up and put it in the pan. You don't add the egg or the milk. You just I just want some. If you try to eat it, it's real dusty. So takes some kind of steps to get up off the couch, get it out of the pantry, mix it up, put it in the oven, then you get some results. How are you going to get to know God better? Doing the same thing we've always done, just sitting in the pantry. And then you can't understand why I don't have dessert. And God's saying, I'm just providing everything you need in this new life, bringing you out of darkness into the kingdom of my son, empowering you through the Holy Spirit to live a life different, an adventure that's different. One you cannot imagine. And let me open that up for you. You have to choose whether you want to open up to him. Because he's ready. 2,000 years ready. 
and he's been pouring it out. He wants to pour out some more. There's a whole lot more waiting. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the book of Colossians. Thank you for the apostle Paul and the things you were doing in his life and the lives of these people who lived then. And we know it's not over yet, that you are at work, that you want to do even more in your holy people right here in this place. Thank you for the things that you're doing here and remotely, and Lord, touching other believers, other other faithful people, and various churches and communities around the world. Thank you for the things that you are raising up, the people that you are raising up. Lord, we don't want to miss it. We don't want to miss you as the source of power, or we don't want to bypass the new life. There's so much more, and it's waiting. And you want to release that in us. So I I pray right now, Lord, that each one of us would just turn our hearts towards you and say, welcome. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Welcome, Lord, to do whatever you choose to do. Bring the new life in powerful ways. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.